Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's, I just realized, this is kind of just us spitballing, brainstorming fan fiction on here. Yeah. It is, but... We should really start advertising it like that. Yeah. Though, um, there are a few things that genuinely do need a reboot. Yes. Oh no, for sure. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying this this podcast is all the fun of experiencing fanfiction without actually having to read 50,000 words or much less write 50,000 words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when um, we have endings in mind. Yeah. I love fanfiction, but... The worst thing about endings is that you have to have a beginning and middle before that and you have to slog through those. Yeah. Yeah, I like fanfiction, but it's pretty clear that most people don't really have any sort of idea of what they're doing. I mean, that's that's fine. Just not everything needs an ending. Like if it's a coffee shop AU, you don't need a whole myth arc. Yeah. You just need to have true. random people coming in and ordering terrible, terrifying drinks. <laughs> Yeah, there's a difference between that and you are indeed writing... You're trying to go for Homer here, okay? <laughs> I do have an idea for a pod... I mean, I have an idea for every podcast, but specifically, I have an idea for a podcast where we just, one chapter at a time, go through the famous fanfics. Ooh. Shit like Illumination and Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. <sighs> or 30 H's. Arthur, oh god. <laughs> We're, um, that was an H noise. Or the one uh, Hagrid Hedwig fanfic that they always no, show. No, no, with that, that's not real, Lindsay. That was all a fever dream. <laughs> but it's all. I'm not talking the famous bad fanfics. I'm just talking famous fanfics in general. Yeah. I'm talking about the people who went for Homer and succeeded. Yeah, like Virgil. <laughs> hey Homer, can you please rate and review my fanfic? My Greek gods fanfic? There is boy boy in it, so don't like, don't read. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, one of the founding myths of Rome is a fanfiction. All of Shakespeare is fanfiction. All of the Arthurian myth is fanfic. Most yes, of, as we discussed last week. Yeah, most of Norse mythology could be considered. Well, the sagas are fanfic. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is fanfiction. Yeah, the DCEU is bad fanfic. <laughs> Except for Wonder Woman. Except for Wonder Woman, though. And well, depending on your definition of bad, Suicide Squad is a crackfic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. What if in the Harley Quinn movie, she just reveals that Suicide Squad was her own fanfiction? That would be great. And something that James Gunn would do. Yes. Well, I don't think James Gunn is doing the Harley Quinn movie. I think he's just doing Suicide Squad 2. Okay. But like if he were writing. <laughs> uh... I think I think David Ayer, who did Suicide Squad, is also doing the Harley Quinn movie, but it's like... Margot Robbie is also in a significant position. Like, I don't know if she's co-directing, okay. but she's definitely producing. Yeah. So she's going to, like, rein him in and steer him correctly. Well, the poor thing... The the thing that happened was that David Ayer was given no time to write Suicide Squad. 
He was given no time, and he was legitimately terrified of Jared Leto. Yeah. Which is saying something. Yeah, that, well, given what he did, there's a good reason to be genuinely terrified of that man. No, but it's like, not, not the really concerning stuff that Jared Leto did, but like, he would do stuff like he'd put sticky notes on the, the cameras whenever after everyone else left so that when they came in, they'd see a sticky note on the camera. I'd be like, what if this was a gun? And David Ayer was like, oh my god, Jared Leto is such a crazy person. Uh, it's not as bad as that, but even then, like, that's... Yeah. No, but I still think, yeah, the, the, the act- Jared Leto did reprehensible stuff behind the scenes of Suicide Squad. That wasn't what scared David Ayer. David Ayer was scared of Jared Leto being an off-brand Banksy. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's worse, being an off-brand Banksy or being Ed Norton. Or being Banksy. <laughs> or being Banksy. Or, you know, Ed Norton backseat directing. What if Banksy is just a Banksy piece? I wouldn't be surprised. What if we all believed in Banksy so much that he became real? Banksy's a tulpa? <laughs> yes, Banksy. Every time someone says, I don't believe in Banksy... One of his art pieces self-destructs. <laughs> hey, is Dismaland still around? I don't know. <laughs> Man. Is Dismaland going to be in Kingdom Hearts 3? <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if the Disney lawyers have considered buying the rights to Dismaland. Or, or is Dismaland in the in the third epic Mickey sequel? <laughs> we'll see. So anyway, Tanner, what are we covering today? Okay, so today, remember the hint that I gave you last time? Yeah. Disregard that. Okay. I changed my mind. It's that gone. hint, I'm taking that topic, I'm putting it back into the list, and we'll discuss it at a later date. Yeah. But this topic, I had to change it up. Do you want a new hint that you can ruminate on for like one minute, or do you want me to just go into it? Give me the hint. Okay, the hint. I actually didn't think of a hint. <laughs> I don't know why I put that on the table and I did not have a hint prepared. <laughs> you coward. Um, okay, so here's here's the dealio. On Tuesday, which yeah. was a good five days after I decided what I was going to do this week, on Tuesday I went with your brother to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. And that was the best movie of the year. And now I have spiders on my brain. Oh. So... This week, we are going to be talking about Silk. Awesome. So for those of you at home who don't know who Silk is, Silk, a.k.a. Cindy Moon, she's one of the more recent additions to the expanded Spider family, which has seen a boom over the past several years, mainly due to the big crossover event Spider-Verse. But Cindy Moon is, like, her own person. She's not an alternate version of any characters. She, like, is based out of the mainstream Marvel Universe. She isn't a clone or an alternate dimension, or a child, or an ancestor, or an alien. Nice. Unlike some of the other interdimensional Spider-Man, like Japanese Spider-Man, or Cowboy Spider-Man, <laughs> or Spider's-Man, who is a swarm of spiders in a spider suit pretending to be Peter Parker. <laughs> or some some Spider-Man, who did show up in a recent Spider crossover. Oh, nice! You're like some sums Yes, some sums are good. Mm-hmm. I actually have... I have I have some some Spider-Man somewhere on my bookshelf. Okay. I recently reorganized, so I'm not sure where he is. Yeah. Oh no, there I found him. Uh, He's sitting beside Hawkeye. Okay, cool. 
I bought a whole bunch of sumsums to give to my baby cousins one year after we went to Edmonton and got to go to the Disney store. <laughs> and my mom was like, so which ones of these for your cousins? Like, hey, well, this is for these ones, and these are for these ones, and these ones are mine. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, okay, so Cindy Moon. Here's the thing about Cindy Moon, a.k.a. Silk. I was doing some quick background research today, and she's probably one of the most continuity-heavy characters in the entire spider lore. So, oh. before yeah, before I delve into what a movie about her would look like, I need to give you the backstory on Cindy Moon, which means I also need to tell you about the Inheritors, which means I also need to tell you about Ezekiel. Okay. So... Way back in 2001, J. Michael Straczynski was working on Amazing Spider-Man. He introduced a character named Ezekiel Sims, and he was a guy who had spider powers, just like Peter. I'm not sure how. I think it was... Yeah, he used a magic ritual to gain spider powers, okay. and he was going to be a superhero, but he decided that before he became a superhero, he needed to become a businessman. Okay. The idea being that he needed money to be a hero, which is like... Mm, if you already have the powers, you don't need to build that, but fine, whatever. The point being, he got too busy being a businessman, he didn't have time to be a hero, and then Spider-Man happened. He's like, okay, well, I guess I don't even have to worry about that. But eventually, he crosses paths with Peter, and he's like, Peter, remember how you got bitten by a radioactive spider, and because of that, you gained radioactive spider powers? Yeah. Well, actually, you're wrong. What happened was, the spider was dying from radiation poisoning, and so it used magic to gift you its abilities before death, just imbuing you with magic spider powers and making you a spider totem. J. Michael, I gotta wa I gotta ask, uh, what the fuck are you smoking? <laughs> oh, oh, let's- we're, we're only scratching the surface. You see, according to Ezekiel, <laughs> the reason Spider-Man has so many animal-themed foes, like- Rhino, and Octopus, and Jackal, and I'm pretty sure he fought a guy named Stingray. I wouldn't be surprised. The reason he has a whole bunch of animal foes is because Spider-Man's a totem, and they're also animal totems. And so they're, like, driven to pursue him, or something like that. Okay. There is a scene where, um, there's a scene in a Spider-Man video game from the, like, Sega Genesis era, or no, not, I don't know, I don't know video game eras. It's low-polygon, like, GameCube, or perhaps even N64, um... It's at the end where all the villains are playing cards in the prison, and Rhino all of a sudden goes, Wait a second! I'm a Rhino! He's a scorpion! He's an octopus! But what's a Mysterio? <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, so Spider-Man has a whole bunch of animal villains because he has animal... He's the link between the animal and human realms, and so he has magic spider powers. And Spider-Man's like, that sounds fake. And Ezekiel's like, Okay, sure, but also I do want to point out that now there's an interdimensional vampire named Morlin who wants to drain your life force because he eats totems. And then Morlin shows up and he's like, hi, I'm exactly what he just said. So Spidey and Morlin have to fight and Spidey kills him. Then he comes back and he kills him again. Then he comes back like a third time and he kills him again. Or maybe that's not till later. The point being, yeah, so Morlin shows up and he's like, this interdimensional vampire who eats animal totems. Now, fast forward about... 10 or 12 years. Okay. This is after Morlun is dead twice and Ezekiel is dead at least once. He may have come back. He may have also died again. Comic books. <laughs> Comics are weird. 
This is after several things occurring, including Peter Parker briefly having, like, stingers coming out of his wrists, and Spider Island, where everyone in New York got spider powers, then turned into spiders, and then all a whole bunch of new cloning issues, and the death of Ultimate Spider-Man, and Spider-Man meeting Miles Morales from the Ultimate Universe. But before Secret Wars, let's make that clear, it's before Secret Wars. Okay. <laughs> and so, in the event of Original Sin... A powerful cosmic being known as the Watcher dies, and then a Z-list Ghost Rider villain named the Orb. Why is he named the Orb? Because his head is an eyeball. Uh, that's and it. he really likes eyeballs. He did once rob a bank and then have his henchmen steal all the eyes of the victims of the bank robbery, and they're like, what's your plan now, boss? And he's like, I don't know, I just like eyeballs. That's disturbing. There is a scene in Original Sin where Dr. Midas who the orb is working with, Dr. Midas is like, take the mask off. And he's like, it's my face. And he's like, well, how are you talking without a mouth? And the orb's like, I don't know. I'm not even sure how I'm doing it now. It took me a while to figure it out before I just used to make wet flopping noises. <laughs> Everything about this is frightening. So how do eyeballs relate to spiders? Well, Apparently, when you take the eyeball of a cosmic being whose whole job was to watch everything in the universe happen, it turns into a bomb full of secrets. And the orb just slam dunks it into the ground and it explodes, and everyone in the universe learns a dark secret involving their past. Okay. So they range from uh, Tony Stark finding out that he was adopted, or the Hulk finding out that Tony Stark was responsible for his transformation, or Gamora finding out that Richard Rider died in the Cancer Universe, which is a thing. Or uh, Daredevil finding out that his mom had postpartum depression. Or who else was involved? Deadpool found out that he had a daughter. That one actually went pretty well. It also involved time travel and him and Dazzler fighting vampires in the 70s. Okay. But for Spider-Man, it was him finding out that after he was bitten by the radioactive spider, which then used magic to transfer his parents. Oh, by the way, yeah, everything Ezekiel said, all the magic stuff, it was legit. Oh, oh, okay. But after Peter got bitten by that spider, the spider then had time to crawl over to someone else and bite them, and that person was Cindy Moon. So then she also got spider powers. <laughs> that was so fucking convoluted. <laughs> It did then also die and then was put into, like, uh, waste or, like, evidence by Oscorp, and then one of Peter's classmates, jealous of him after he found he was Spider-Man, tracked it down and ate the spider and turned into a swarm of spiders and called himself the swarm. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Anyways, so Cindy Moon, Cindy Moon gets bitten by the spider that bit Peter and gains spider powers, slightly different spider powers. She's faster than Peter is and not as strong. She has a broader spider sense, just like it has a bigger range. Okay. And she also has organic webbing that she shoots from her fingertips. Oh, okay. And she is extremely frightened of this. She has no idea how to control her powers. So in walks Ezekiel. Yeah. Because this is a flashback, so he's alive. So this is before he met Peter. Okay. He walks in and he's like, I'm going to help train Cindy. And it doesn't work at all. So he's like, okay, Cindy, since I can't train you... I'm going to put you in a bunker and lock you away for the rest of your life because also you're a giant beacon for Morlun and his family to track down this universe and, like, start the apocalypse. Great. So go sit in this box. That is absolutely not going to be detrimental to a young girl's development. 
oh, she is a lot messed up, especially because she buys the whole thing. Like, she's bitten as a teenager, and he's like, you have to stay in this box where everyone you know will die. And she's like, great, no one let me out. And when Peter does find out that Cindy Moon exists, and he tracks down the bunker and opens it, she attacks him, and she's like, I can't leave, or I'm going to jumpstart the apocalypse. And he's like, you've been trapped in a box forever. This is not healthy. Yeah. And so he pulls her out, and in doing so, they jumpstart the apocalypse. Of course they do. Because Morlun is part of a family of interdimensional soul-sucking vampires known as the Inheritors, <sighs> who can survive on any kind of animal totem being's life force, but after repeated defeats by Spider-Man, Morlun's just gotten his whole family to just specifically target spider people out of spite. Okay. And according to a prophecy found in the web of life that connects all realities, <laughs> Cindy Moon is one of the three uh, like major spider totems that, if they're sacrificed properly, the inheritors get to inherit all of existence somehow. What is this? <sighs> spiders. Why? Why? Spiders. Spiders! <laughs> Anyways, the three important people that they point out are uh, the Scion, which is like the child of a spider, and that's Benjamin Parker, who's the, the second child of Peter from another dimension in the future where his daughter May became Spider-Girl. Okay. So they steal a baby. Great. The second important figure is Kane Parker, a.k.a. Uh, Peter Parker's edgy clone, who I actually really like, especially because he had a turn as part of the New Warriors in... 2015, I believe it was, and he was fun in there, and he had okay. a sidekick named Eraseli who had psychic powers and was also potentially a method to jumpstart the Mayan apocalypse, but again, neither here nor there. <sighs> Goddamn. Um, and the third one was Cindy Moon, and her title is The Bride. Why is she the bride? Because, oh, you're gonna love, you're gonna love to hate this important fact. I'm bracing myself. Oh, brace yourself. So the reason Cindy Moon is designated the bride is because because they're bitten by the same spider, when Cindy Moon and Peter Parker are too close together, they start releasing powerful pheromones and just have to start making out and beyond. Oh, fuck off. And there is an issue where Cindy Moon uses that as a threat if Peter doesn't leave her alone. Oh. Peter's like, I need to help you. And she's like, if you don't leave me alone, I am going to sex Paul and assault you. Oh my god. And you know, thanks. C comics are sometimes terrible, but sometimes comic fans are good because every single person who read this was like, no, don't do that. Yeah. This is the worst idea in the history of bad ideas. And Marvel, you were king of bad ideas. This, listen, Cindy Moon, she, she shows up, she already seems like a fan fiction Mary Sue, and I know, I know Mary Sue is a bad term to throw it's around, especially too. now that we know these days, but she comes in bearing all of the signs. But she's also written by a guy. Yeah. Which wouldn't be a huge factor, except the fact that she, like, when she shows up, she's, like, in not the breast state clothing-wise. And then her costume is just her covered in her webbing initially. Ew. Yeah. Wait, was she also the one who, like, ha was put into an awkward pose for one of the comic covers? Like, Oh, no, that was uh, Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman. Okay. That was the one who was drawn by a guy who does, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure almost all comic artists do porn, but this was the guy who, like, this was his purview. Yeah. And it wasn't tasteful porn. 
Yeah, that was kind of obvious. Um, but no, Silk, Silk was just a whole bunch of bad decisions just piled up. Just one on top of the other. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she didn't fare well in Spider Verse either because she stole a lot of screen time from other popular people like Jessica Drew, like Spider Gwen, who like immediately was everyone's favorite from the minute she was introduced. Yeah. Which valid. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's the whole introduction for Cindy Moon was a complete mess. But of course, Dan Slott basically conned Marvel into saying that everyone loved her because he adored the character that he created. Oh, of course. Creator's pet, too. Yep. Um, so, but now here's here's where things take a turn for the better, because uh, Marvel announced the Silk Solo series, but Dan Slott was busy much leaving after Spider-Verse, okay. I think. I can't remember if he left Marvel or if he just wanted to just focus on Amazing Spider-Man. The point being that he was not writing the Silk Solo series. That was written by... Uh, now, let me double-check that on the Wikipedia. So, Silk's ongoing series was actually written by Robbie Thompson with art by Stacy Lee. Already we're a bit better on account of a woman drawing a woman in comics. Yeah. And she also gets a much better costume, which now technically it is still made out of her webbing, but it doesn't look like, because before it just looked like she rolled around a bunch of cobwebs. And yeah. fortunately they clung to the important bits. This yeah. one is like, it is a full body suit and it's got this nice like black and white color scheme going on and then she has a red bandana over the bottom half of her face so that her hair can flow free because i love superheroes who have long flowing hair yeah it's it's a uh, got a bit of an ninja vibe to it yeah she looks and she does kind of look like if Electra was also a spider hero yeah yeah but yeah so cindy moon and her solo series is all about her the first run of it was her trying to track down her family because while she was in the bunker the family moved away yeah and she couldn't find any information on them like she was pretty sure they were put in witness protection or something happened. And then she gets hints that maybe her brother had fallen in with, like, the goblin cult, which was another plot line that happened while she was in the bunker. Of course. But it's it was a much better solo run, and that was the run that made me fall in love with Silk as a character, because it focused on her learning and teaching herself how to be a better hero. Okay. She showed herself to be, like, very passionate about her family, but also about justice. And yeah. justice in the sense of... When she realized the hench person was only working for Black Cat because he owed her a debt and he was trying to pay that off so that he could help out his family, she started helping him. Yeah. And then she got embroiled in some Black Cat stuff. And yes, technically she was doing illegal activity, but she was also trying to be supportive of Black Cat, who was also going through some shit at the time because she basically had mental trauma that had lasted for a good decade after One More Day came in and wiped everyone's identities of Peter Parker. Oh, yeah one more day oh what a tangled web we weave of terrible spider decisions yeah yeah but robbie thompson saved silk okay he double saved her because there's also the silk from spider gwen's universe is like the head of a criminal organization and she's also a really great character okay but that's that's the whole the lead up to silk as a person yeah <laughs> because as i said earlier comics are weird yes it only took us about 20 minutes to get through all of that. Yeah. So now here's here's my pitch for a Silk movie. Now, okay, well, here's the thing is that they are already working on a Silk movie. Yeah. And initially when they announced it, they were just saying, it was just Sony saying, we're making a Silk movie, deal with it. And it's like, okay, everyone was skeptical about a Venom solo movie without Spider-Man. And, but that turned out to be okay. 
Yeah. But you legitimately can't do a Silk movie without Spider-Man without changing every single thing about it. Yeah. Now, Sony, it does sound like Sony changed their tune. And when they say Silk movie, they want it to be kind of like how Spider-Verse went, where it centers around Silk, but it's got other supporting cast members coming in. And specifically, I think they said that they wanted this to be a female-focused one. So okay. it would be like Silk and Spider-Gwen and like Mayday potentially. And maybe Penny Parker will come back because everyone loves Penny Parker. But okay, let me just take a moment to say Spider-Verse good. Okay. Spider-Verse real good. Yeah. Um, And now whenever I read Spider-Ham, I can't help but hear John Mulaney. But also now whenever I watch John Mulaney, I can't help but just see Spider-Ham being there. <laughs> <laughs> and now, whenever I think about Spider-Ham, I can't help but think about Spider-Pig from The Simpsons. Yes. Apparently, a lot of people thought Spider-Ham was, like, a riff off of that joke from The Simpsons, and they didn't realize that he'd been around, like, since the 80s. <laughs> also, did you know that Spider-Ham is actually a spider that was bitten by a radioactive pig? Oh! It's kind of hard to imagine that because pigs are so huge and most spiders are very tiny. Yes, well, it worked out. <laughs> it, somehow. It worked out for him. His name was also Peter Porker, even though he was a spider. Was he a rather um, tubby spider? or No, he was spider-sized. I mean, I think he was larger than your average spider. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm pretty sure the radioactive pig was also Aunt May. Okay, anyway, Silk, Silk, Silk movie. Silk, yes, yes, get back onto the Silk track. Okay, so um, so if Sony's making a Silk movie, it's probably going to be an animated thing set in the same uh, Spider-Verse, yeah. cinematic Spider-Verse with Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. But I'm not necessarily going to talk about that because whatever, if it's Chris Miller and Phil Lord doing it again, or even if they're just in a production and they find other writers to do it, I trust them, I'm not going to worry. So like, yeah. there are like several things that you can never reboot one of them is going to be into the spider-verse yeah don't even try and touch that again yeah you can touch miles morales if they get to a point in the mcu where they mono make miles morales the spider-man go for it but don't do a spider-verse route you have to do your own thing yeah here's the other thing though silk or cindy moon rather she already exists in the mcu okay um I'm so in spider-man homecoming pretty much every single bit character is based off of a character from his comics a lot of them are daily bugle staff okay but if you notice the one asian girl who gets a little bit more camera time like not it's not like they do a dramatic zoom in on her like oh it's cindy moon but like she's part of the deca academic decathlon team i'm pretty sure she says i'm glad you could make a peter or something oh, like that okay yeah She's played by Tiffany Espenson. Yeah. She is credited and casted as Cindy Moon. Okay. So she already exists. And so there is already potential that they could do a Silk in the MCU. And so that's what I'm pitching here. Okay. We do have to change a lot of stuff on account of a lot of her backstory does not exist in Spider-Man. But you can work around with that. Exactly. So my idea is that we do show a flashback of Cindy Moon getting her powers and it can be like i would like the silk solo movie to have peter parker is still going to play an important role in it but i would like the first chunk of it to just have him in the background yeah like we can have cindy moon get bitten by the spider we could even say that she gets bitten by it first okay and then while she's kind of like just examining the bite with her friends or, or like just playing it off we see peter get bitten in the background and just have like a hugely dramatic reaction yeah because he would yeah um and then like silk she 
in a change from the comics, we'll say that she actually is really good at hiding her powers. Okay. And so for the first bit of the movie, it's like kind of a normal teen drama, her just trying to get through life, hiding her powers from her friends and family because she doesn't want to be involved in this whole superhero business. Yeah. And then like the second act could begin where she specifically gets targeted by some weird old man and she's running and Spider-Man shows up to help her. And then in the midst of the battle, she accidentally activates her own powers to help herself get away. And Peter sees her and he's like, oh, that's another spider person. And so he tracks her down and he'll reveal herself to her and like, uh, hey, you know me, I'm Peter Parker and you're Cindy Moon and we're spiders together. And she's like, that's great. I, I really do not want to be an Avenger. Yeah. And he's like, okay, valid. I did die. <laughs> um, but she doesn't really get a choice because this weird old man is still pursuing her. Yeah. Now, initially, when I was thinking about this pitch, I was going to have the weird old man be Ezekiel. And he's just like this guy off his rocker preaching about totems and Morlun and the Inheritors. And everyone thinks he's dangerous, but also that none of the stuff he's talking about is legitimate. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I'm trying to protect Cindy. Oh, you're trying to protect her? How? Well, I'm going to put her in a box. <laughs> and Peter Parker is one of the vast majority of people who is against putting women in boxes. Yeah. So they have to fight him away. But also, I was thinking, what if instead the creepy old guy is the jackal and he's trying to get some maximum clonage happening? Oh, okay. Because what's better than one set of spider DNA? Who sets of spider DNA? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Gotta somehow shove in a Jim Henson Muppet in there. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. I <laughs> hope there are puppets in the next Spider-Verse movie. <laughs> what I would love to see in the MCU is a superhero who is also a Muppet. I'm trying to remember if there are any who could be considered that. Don't think so. There is a living cartoon character. Okay. Slapstick. <laughs> of course. And technically Spider-Ham is, I mean, he's obviously everyone's anime, but in the fiction of Into the Spider-Verse, he comes from a place that runs on cartoon physics. Okay. So he, what, some of his powers include being able to pull a ham, uh, giant mallet out of his pockets, yeah. and he can also float through the air when he smells a delicious pie. <laughs> that is so great. Um, but yeah, so I I kind of see the MCU version of the Silk movie taking place over the course of one night, and it's just Peter and Cindy desperately trying to evade Ezekiel or Jackal, or you know what, maybe it's just Morlun. Maybe just Morlun has showed up, we can skip Ezekiel completely. Yeah. And it's kind of just turns into even like a bit of a teen slasher movie. Ooh. Maybe not slasher, but similarly, kind of the similar vein where yeah. they just have to keep running. But like Jason from another dimension, <laughs> who's a vampire. Yeah. That metaphor doesn't really work, but he just keeps coming. Yeah. Vampiric Terminator. Yes. We'll just have the Silk movie be a redemption arc for all of the worst parts that have ever happened to Spider-Man. <laughs> We're going to do clones better. We're going to do Silk better. We're going to do Judas Traveler better. Ugh. I think you can just, like, completely cut out Judas Traveler and lose nothing. No, I'm saying force Judas Traveler. <laughs> I want Marvel, I want Disney to give the Marvel Studios the same mandate that Marvel Comics gave to the writers and just force Judas Traveler in. And the writers will be like, who is Judas Traveler? And they're like, we don't know. Just put him in there. He's gonna be great. It's this weird old guy who's big beard and a weird costume. He's got reality warping powers. He's wild. He's great. It was great. 
How no much one... cocaine were these guys on? Uh, so much because <laughs> uh, fun fact: the clone, the clone conspiracy, the the clone saga of Spider Man was actually written by Snowflame. <laughs> it was a secret sneak attack by DC Comics. <laughs> Snowflame did so much cocaine, he escaped into the real world. This is canon. <laughs> and now Snowflame is writing your comics. <laughs> Snowflame is ruining all of your continuity. Hi, yeah. Kara. Hi, Linkara, please be on our show. Linkara, how would you reboot Spider-Man? <laughs> For what, the fourth time? Uh, fifth, maybe, if you want to count Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Sixth, depending on if you want to count uh, Japanese Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I hope we get a Penny Parker solo film, or a Penny Parker-focused film, where we also get Japanese Spider-Man and also manga Spider-Man. <laughs> Japanese Spider-Man shows up like, what up? I'm the emissary of hell. We got a dog, got a motorcycle, got a giant robot. His name is uh, Leopardon. <laughs> you devil man yeah kind of a little bit <laughs> Lepardon died but then he was his ruins were saved by 2099 spider-man and taken to a steampunk universe where steampunk spider woman oh no her name was lady spider okay the lady spider and 2099 spider-man used steampunk technology and radiation of course they did they marie curie and also i think they st i think they also shoved an electro in there <laughs> and they resurrected Leopardon, and he came crashing through dimensions to fight the Inheritors again. And then in the sequel to Spider-Verse, Spider-Geddon, <laughs> he, got, he got a boost from the power cosmic from Miles Morales. I love comics so much! They also, then they killed Morlun's dad, and then they recloned all the Inheritors as babies, which were then raised by an alternate universe Aunt May who got the spider powers, who was the magnificent Spider-Man. What more and thens can these people do? Like, um, well, I think the sequel at the end of Spider Geddon was that uh, Mayday Parker, who was Spider Girl from the MC Two, which was like Marvel: The Next Generation. Oh wow! If we ever track down MC Two comic book and open it up, you can just hear whatever it takes. Start playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, MC2 Peter Parker died in Spider-Verse, but then he got resurrected at the end because there always has to be an other, another, other. Every you're the clone now, dog! So basically what you're saying is that every Marvel Universe has to have a Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> What like what happens when there isn't some sort of spider-powered superhero? Does the universe like collapse in on itself? No, I think it reflexively creates a new one. <laughs> like Ultimate Spider-Man died, so no. Miles Morales became the new Spider-Man. Oh, so what was the... I think it also goes out of its way to have spares. <laughs> yeah. Because there is also Ultimate Jessica Drew who is a, literally a clone of Peter Parker. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking um did the, what was it, 1602 universe have a Spider-Man? Yeah, he was the first victim of Spider-Verse. Okay. He was in the middle of performing Hamlet. <laughs> and then Moreland showed up, ate his soul, and left. Aww. 
Did he at least get to like the big death climax? Um, I think it was during the death climax, and everyone thought it was part of the show. Okay, yeah. I don't know if they survived or not, but Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and the musical Spider-Man were all, we didn't see them, but they were confirmed to take part in the battle against the Inheritors. <laughs> they are really going for like every single iteration of Spider-Man out there. I mean, a lot of the Spider-Verse people, like they made sure to include anyone who had been hinted to exist. Yeah. There was also, like, after Spider-Verse, we got Web Warriors, where we got a whole bunch of alternate universe Electros. Mm -hmm. And then we also met Spider-Ham 2099. <laughs> so, anyway, um, what else about this proposed Silk movie do you want? Uh, um, no sex pheromones. Yeah, that is an obvious given. Because it's, like... Gross. Yeah, well, and also, the, I think, I'm pretty sure the sex pheromones thing came from... Marvel trying really hard to introduce, like, a new mainline love interest for Peter Parker, but also not wanting to undo One More Day because One More Day is a pox upon all of creation. Yeah, look, it's just, guys, let Peter grow up. Sometimes a character's more interesting as an adult. Sometimes the yep. stakes are higher when you have a spouse and a kid to be concerned about. During Secret Wars, there was a whole series called Renew Your Vows, and it took place in a world where Peter and Mary Jane were never separate, and they had a kid together. Yeah. And then after that, they teased bringing in the villain from that series into the main Marvel Universe, and everyone's like, oh, they're bringing back Renew Your Vows, so they must be building up to Peter and Mary Jane getting back together. And they're like, no, suffer. God damn now, it, Marvel. Now, for the record, I do like that. I haven't, I've barely read any of the comics where it's a thing. But I do like the idea of Mary Jane working for Tony Stark. Yeah. Because she gets to do stuff. Yeah. Quite often she doesn't get to do a lot except for be the concerned girlfriend or wife. Well, for the longest time, her job was being a model. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, cool that you're doing the whole nerd gets the hottest woman out there. But when she's only there to be eye candy, what's the fucking point? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I like any film where it gives Mary Jane more stakes. Yeah. Especially considering like people are starting to realize that she knows a lot about Peter's life as Spider-Man, so she knows a lot about the greater Marvel issues going on. So she she already has a hand in the universe, so you might as well make her an important character. Yeah. Like Avengers Academy, which I haven't played in years because they took all my money. Yeah. But they immediately said, Hey, here's MJ and she's gonna be the Iron Spider. Cool. And into the Spider-Verse, MJ doesn't have a huge role because, I don't want to get into spoilers, but she doesn't have a huge role. Yeah. But she is shown to be, like, an important figure in the film. Okay. Aunt May also gets a lot of good stuff in Into the Spider-Verse. That's good. There's also the implication that Zendaya is MJ. I don't mind that. Yeah, go go whole ham. Go whole Spider-Ham with <laughs> the Peter-MJ relationship. And maybe, I, th I think they are saying that that's going to be what it is. In the movies that Peter Parker and MJ are going to get together. Great. I love it. Yeah. I'm still pretty sure that MCU Peter Parker is bi. Yeah. He gives off a bi vibe. A bi vibe? A vibe, if you will? Yeah. A, a vibe. Uh, and... My, my, ma my main evidence is when Star-Lord says that Hulk isn't attractive and Peter just looks so offended. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like uh, Cindy Moon is bi. There's not as much textual evidence for that. I just, again, I feel it in my bones. 
Yeah. I can see her with someone. I don't know. Maybe Black Cat. I mm, Maybe. Uh, she, actually, yeah, that could work. Because I don't think there's an age thing. Yeah. Because in, in, the, in the comics right now, Peter is a grown man. Okay. He may not necessarily act like it. <sighs> but he's a grown man. He has stocks. He's grown. He has a place. He pays his taxes. <laughs> I think my main reason is because Cindy Moon gives off a similar vibe to Nico Minoru. Yeah. Who also had some subtle bisexual moments before she really did just end up with, uh, why did I suddenly forget her name? Carolina. Okay. She did end up with Carolina in the comics now. They're clearly taking a note from the TV show, yeah. but that was a good choice TV show. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be live action, right? Yes, because there's, I, I'll put money on the uh, concept that there's going to be a Cindy Moon animated movie. Yeah. And is probably going to dovetail into the greater like Spider-Verse Inheritor plot. That's okay. probably what they're going to aim towards. Yeah. But that's like, I don't, I don't want to go near that because I don't have confidence. I have confidence I can make a good MCU Silk movie. I don't think I could make a good animated Sony Spider-Verse Silk movie. Yeah, that is fair. Is there anything else you can think to add to Silk? Uh, so Cindy Moon, she's definitely like Korean-American? She is, yeah. Okay, so find a Korean-American actress. Yeah, she, she, her whole family is Korean. Tiffany Espenson is, I believe, of Chinese descent. Okay. Which, it does get into a whole thing of, we don't. We're not. We don't want to say all Asians are alike, but sometimes you and this is even something within the Asian actor community that you don't want to say they're all alike. But also, we don't want to uh, give heck to an actor who doesn't match the exact ethnicity of the character because right now we're just still trying to get our feet in the door. And okay, historically you speaking, you can take either side. Historically speaking, there was so much cultural cro- uh, cross pollination between Japan, China, and Korea. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, they are but I unique, would say, but... I would say, for a Silk Solo movie, we probably should recast her, because I would also like to keep the how important her family angle is. Yeah. And the potential that, like... Because, yeah, she w- she wasn't kidnapped and stuffed in a bunker. She was... I mean, that's not a good thing, to ever be stuffed in a bunker. Yeah. But she agreed to go into the bunker to protect her family. Yeah. And I think that's an important aspect of the character to hold, because it's a good for heroes, and it's a good connector between her and peter because they're both people who put their family before themselves yeah and it's very well established in the universe in the marvel cinematic universe that it's a dangerous universe this Mm -hmm. is probably just coming off the hills of thanos yes god knows you know maybe cindy did temporarily lose part of her family or maybe herself or maybe herself (laughs) but yeah so they're probably at the climax like there's probably going to be uh, the emotional low point is when Sydney's like, this isn't worth it and I'm scared. Maybe I should. Like, maybe there is an Ezekiel who's like, I could protect you. Go in this box. And at some point she's like, maybe I should go in a box. And Peter's like, no, don't go in the box. Nobody puts Cindy in the box. <laughs> <laughs> and then the climactic fight is set to I'll have the time of my life. <laughs> what are we a deadpool movie yes (laughs) oh yeah we could get a crossover with deadpool at some point uh if they bring deadpool into the mcu it has to be like a teenage deadpool yeah just so that they can get those good good spidey pool emotions yeah i 
I am all aboard on Spidey Pool, but there are too many fanfics who are like, here's the MCU Spider-Man and the Deadpool movie Deadpool. And they're like, there is a 10-year age difference, and Deadpool himself would shoot you for trying to push that. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, in the current state, if we're keeping Ryan Reynolds and Tom Holland, <laughs> um, it would be more of like a big brother, little brother relationship. Mm-hmm. Which is great in its own way. Yes, and also I I do like just the idea of Teen Deadpool. Yeah, the the most the peak shitty teen. Oh, oh my god! We did get to see Child Deadpool in the Deadpool Core series, where Deadpool teamed up with an inter. It was basically Spider Verse for well, not Spider Verse for Deadpools, but it was an interdimensional crossover where he teamed up with Lady Deadpool, Kidpool, Dogpool, and Headpool. Headpool came from the Marvel Zombies universe. He had it. He was a head. <laughs> they had to stick one of those like propeller beanies on him that was motorized so he could do anything <laughs> and also surgically reattacked the bottom half of his jaw yeah he was also like one of the few zombies who didn't completely lose their minds when becoming zombies because he's deadpool yeah he's got the super cancer yes deadpool is like the only character who has cancer out there that i can laugh about because he also laughs about it. Yeah, because he also laughs about it. And, like, it's such a ridiculous form of cancer. And it's also not being played for, you know... I don't even think you can call it cancer anymore at that point. Yeah. It's just, his cells regenerate so quickly. Like, it's even faster than Wolverine's healing factor. Years ago, I wrote an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fanfic where it had the agents encountering uh, Wade Wilson. Yeah. And, like, Simmons was trying to figure out the science behind his healing factor. And her best guess is basically, because the super serum that you got, you are basically a tumor. (laughs) Makes sense. Yep. Yep. Hey, remember that one time I came up with the idea of, like, a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but set in the Sailor Moon Universe, and the... Yes. (laughs) And the Avengers are Sailor Scouts? We need to have an episode on that idea. Yeah. For that fanfic idea. <laughs> the fanfic month. Yes. Just like our craziest ideas out there. So yeah, um, how do we navigate back to spiders? Oh yeah. So, for the costuming, we are not putting Silk in her first outfit. Oh god, no. Hell no, absolutely not. No one deserves that. Nope, nope, no, no, no. no. Um, we could have her just fighting in civilian clothing in the climax where she decides, you know what? I'm not going to go in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she and Peter fight. And then at the end, like, she'll have a narration about she can do a whole, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And she loves her family. And being a hero scares her. But she's learned that it is something she can do. And she would rather... Uh, fight for her family then lay down for her family yeah and it can all be overlaid with like a figure swinging through new york and like cindy like weaving her all of her silky webs from her fingers and like making this whole costume and like looking at exactly like oh yeah this looks good and then she suits up and then we can she can have the american flag shot where she lands on the american (laughs) flag in her whole silk outfit yeah and what was that old nickelback song for the For the first Spider-Man movie, the one with Tobey Maguire? I know that a hero can save us. I'm not gonna... Okay. 
We'll just get them to cover the Spider-Man theme. <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. <laughs> and knowing that band, they would totally do it. Yes. No, we'd have to give Silk her own song. Yeah. The great thing about the world that we live in, one of the few things... Very few. ...is that... Um, okay, so, Into the Spider-Verse. That soundtrack, fucking every track slaps. Yeah. Except maybe the one with Triple uh, X Tentation on it. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. But Post Malone has a track on that, and it's quite good. Oh, Which okay. I am shocked by. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's Post Malone. Yeah. I guess artistically, Post Malone is fine. It's just that looking at the human being... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel like I'd be friends with him. Yeah, um, I'd be walking much more quickly down the street. But the great thing is that if Silk got an a Spider-Verse movie, then I guarantee there would be K-pop on there. Oh god, yes. I want twice to write a song for Silk. <laughs> and then Baby Metal can write a song for uh, Penny Parker. Yes. Give me that Baby Metal. I want I want each every spider in the Spider-Verse deserves their own dedicated dedicated concept album. Yes. Who would write music for Spider-Man Noir? Oh, um, whew. there's some really good kind of, okay, most of them are kind of obscure jazz bands. Um, That's fine. Yeah. Postmodern Jukebox. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, get Scott Bradley behind the Spider-Man Noir soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> we are such nerds. Yep. And then who would be on the Spider-Ham album? Let's see. Very cartoony. Get the people who produced... Okay. You know a Space Jam, right? Yes. On the Space Jam soundtrack, there is a song called Buggin', and it does have Bugs Bunny rapping. (laughs) Now I gotta find this. Not well, but it exists. So get just get whatever producers behind that to compose a Spider Ham album. Yes, yes, I am um, all for this. Yes. And then uh, Spider Gwen's album would obviously be a lot of punk because she's in a punk band. Yeah. Throw throw some against me in there. Yeah. And who who else needs a concept album? Because um, we got Miles, we got Ham, we got Gwen, we got Noir, we got SBDR, and Silk. I think we covered the most important ones. Yeah. Japanese Spider-Man would just get all the composers from <laughs> Super Sentai and Kamen Rider. Yeah. And the opening song would almost be like from uh, like the Evangelion theme. <laughs> <laughs> Just recreate the Evangelion opening yeah. but with Japanese Spider-Man and Lepardon. Yeah. <laughs> it fits. Japanese Japanese Spider-Man is the reason we have Zords. <laughs> I love you, Japanese Spider-Man. And I'm not even sure how the thought... Pro- because, okay, the thought process clearly went... Japanese Spider-Man did well, and he has a giant robot. Let's give Super Sentai a giant robot, and they will also do well. Well, when did uh, Japanese Spider-Man come out? Was that the 70s? I'm pretty sure it was the 70s. Yeah, because that was also... um, Gundam would probably have just come out. And while it wasn't a big 
hit at the time it became like a really big cult hit uh 78 to 79 yeah. It was the first in a series of co-productions between Toei and Marvel, and the the one that bears the most resemblance because it's Spider-Man. Yeah. They did also, because, so Spider-Man had a giant robot, and then in the next Sentai, Battle Fever J, they also were the first Sentai with a giant robot. Yeah. But it was supposed to be, like, a Captain America tokusatsu. Okay. And then it got, ter- like, you can see elements in it because they still, like, each person is based off a country. Yeah. And so you have... Battle Japan, Battle France, Battle Kenya, Battle Cossack, and Miss America, who wears a blonde wig on top of her helmet. Yeah, I've gone through all of the old Super Sentai TV Trumps pages. They are strange and great. Anyway, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam uh, started in 1979 as a planned 52-episode series, but was cut down to 43 uh, due to the show pulling horrible ratings. So that would mean that actually Japanese Spider-Man is responsible for Gundam and not the other way around. Okay. But even then, like, ultimately creating the entire Super Sentai tokusatsu craze, it was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm of robots. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the Marvel deal with Toei never really went anywhere other than Spider-Man because you had, you had Battle Fever J, which was almost Captain America. Okay. Uh, then Denzi Man uh, bore almost no relation to anything Marvel, but it did almost get brought over to the States, I believe. Oh. Even though, in my opinion, uh, Denzi Man have the ugliest suits in Sentai, even more so than Battle Fever J. Oh. Okay. It It looks like they're wearing sweatpants. Ew, Yeah. To be fair, the fabric isn't great for any of the first ones, but it looks a lot better in the execution for Go Ranger and Jack U. Yeah, and honestly, we are spoiled for spandex, so... But again, it looks better. It looks better on everyone except for Denzi Man. Denzi Man just looks bad. Yeah. Yeah, and then the last Marvel co-production was Sun Vulcan, which had even less Marvel influence than the previous two. I don't think it did very well in sales. Was the only Sentai to date that had no female members... Oh, ugh, yeah, that's bad. It almost got adapted to air on HBO. Again, how much coke were they doing at the time? Well, this was the 80s, so first off, all of it. And second <laughs> off, this was before HBO was high class. Like, HBO did not have a personality. Oh, yeah, this was when they were still airing, like, uh, wrestling. And pornography. And porn, yeah. <laughs> and what is, what is Super Sentai? <laughs> going like okay we have this time slot that we gotta fill and this japanese shit sounds like it it it's like super popular snorts an entire line of coke <laughs> how do we make this into a show <laughs> well we take a marvel hero and we give them a giant robot <laughs> great let's storyboard this uh, oh the 80s yes it needs to go to prison Hey, but you know what? We need to also bring back more giant robots. Yeah. In our current, in the current climate of today, we our only giant. hope is a giant robot. Yeah. We need, Not Voltron. In the superhero comics, we need a giant robot team. On TV, we need some giant robot teams. Anime needs more giant robots. We need to combine giant robots and magical girls. Yes. The next Precure team needs to have a Megazord. Isn't Precure already owned by Toei? 
Exactly. Which is why they should have given them a Megazord. <laughs> and give us an all-girl team, you cowards. Yes! Super Sentai, at the very least, fucking gender parity, okay? That's the very least you can do. And a female um, red from beginning to end. Okay, so I think I think we've got enough meat for a silk movie. So. So, uh, Tanner, Lindsay. where can people find you? Oh, I was gonna, <laughs> Lindsay, where can people find you? <laughs> I'm at LindsayM476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A. From there, you can get to my other social media bullshits like Instagram and and uh, <laughs> and Pinterest. Did I throw you off your rhythm yeah. by lip syncing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tanner, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sparky Upstart. Also, this podcast, this very podcast, can be found on Twitter at n i i r y f pod, which stands for not if i reboot you first and it's pronounced Nierf. you can also find this podcast on instagram at not if i reboot you first all one word also the hashtag is the same as uh <laughs> <laughs> yep and you can also email us uh, via not if i reboot you first at gmail.com no uh, not an anagram what's it called abbreviations no abbreviations yeah. necessary yeah it's just the title of the podcast com. contact us through any manner of social media we've listed to give us comments critiques if you don't like what we're doing tell us and we'll fix it if you do like what we're doing tell us and we will fix it because yeah. we reboot <laughs> <laughs> uh rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends write it in a bathroom stall <laughs> but with a washable marker so that you don't stress out any cleaning staff. <laughs> tell your friends, tell your family, tell your nosy neighbor down the street. Tell your dog. <laughs> your dog knows, dog with a blog. Dogs know how to computer. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, Cats know how to Instagram. Yes. So many dogs have Instagram. It's a wonder. They don't have thumbs. Okay, anyway. Tanner. So give me that hint. <laughs> Tanner. What do you think spies are? Uh, kids? <laughs> oh, I think, um, next week's episode's gonna be interesting. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Bye. Uh, oh yeah, this is our New Year's episode, oh, yeah. so Happy New Year. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy spiders. <laughs> All the spiders. Kiss a spider. Get some powers. Yes. Eat, eat the spider. Be the spider. <laughs> spiders! <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>
It's a bit more up my alley, Tanner. So you're not doing an edgy period piece Totally Spies reboot? No. Beans. That's for later. Okay. <laughs>